Happy Friday, everybody. How's it going? Don't be too excited, everyone. I mean, I'm excited. It's Labor Day weekend, right? Like, it is Labor Day I'm also weekend. excited to be here. I think you're going to be working on your house, right? Yeah, we, we kind of opted not to go on a trip just to uh, spend time working on stuff. Do you, do you celebrate? A, it's Labor Day in the States. Uh, you're in Canada, right? Do you, do, you have a, do you have the same thing there? Yeah, we do have we do have a technically uh, a holiday on Monday. Uh, however, you know, with the company being across the world and headquarters in Europe, the holidays usually don't line up. So, I'll be working on Monday. <laughs> mm. Happens. You've been out in the wilderness, if I understand correctly. Is that right? Oh, it was absolutely fantastic. You know, I, I am very lucky to live in BC. And it's been 16, 17 years almost uh, that, that we are here. And it's, uh, you know, you, you drive a few hours and you're just in, in these wonderful places. So I camped uh, for a couple of days on a place called Hicks Lake, which is in the middle of Sasquatch Provincial Park. Uh, just you know, what you can imagine. It's like where kitsch was invented. You know, <laughs> like, you know when, you, when you look around, it, it's just ridiculous. That's <laughs> really cool. Um, yeah, we're, I've, I've gone uh, climbing in Squamish before. Uh, the place is really good. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, I was really impressed by it. And uh, But it, it's kind of crazy because if you just look at a map and just go north of uh, Vancouver, I mean, there's a lot of wilderness. <laughs> like, a lot. Uh, Northeast, you know, it's like uh, it's like wherever you go, and uh, the the beauty of BC is really that you know within a couple of hours driving, and sometimes not only that, you're in completely different climates, in completely different nature. So, basically, whatever rocks your boat, no pun intended, including boating. You know, if you yeah. head west, because you kind of can't do that without hitting some water, uh, you'll uh, have a lot of opportunities to enjoy yourself immensely. Cool. So, and some of the audience members roll in here. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I'm envious of uh, where you live. I mean, we live in Utah, and there's a lot to do outside here too. But it's it's different. Um, we don't really have like rainforest or um, mountains like you do. We we have mountains, I guess. Like there's a lot of them. Here. We definitely yeah, have mountains. I mean, I but also, back, it's but... also like 100 degrees right now, and it's going to be 104 tomorrow, I think. Yeah, so. and you're going to go down to the desert, right? Well, it's about so... the same though. Like I'm not yeah. really. <laughs> it's not going to be. I told you about my one uh, camping experience in Utah, right? Uh, uh -uh. <laughs> no. Uh, well, and Hope Island, so, you know, your home city pretty much. And uh, we showed up there. It was about 6 p.m. as a part of our very, very long trip that we actually took a camping trip and all the way down to Colorado and then uh, back up through Wyoming and Yellowstone, get, get oh. back home. So on the way down there. We went to uh, Utah and, you know, the idea was to camp on Antelope Island and we noticed that the campsite was completely, completely deserted. It's like, what the hell is going on? And then we started building a tent and we realized that the whole ground was moving with fire ants. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Like I've never seen so many of those critters at the same time. And we were like, okay, are we going to tough it out somehow? And the uh, uh, children said no. <laughs> so uh, we camped at La Quinta uh, that evening, which had pool and that placated them. And then we were able to continue in the trip. So <laughs> that was our one camping experience in Utah. <laughs> when I see fire ants, I run the other way. I've had bad experiences with fire ants. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> Well, awesome. Let's let's, let's talk about uh, yeah, Josh Gallon. Uh, uh, fire ants are the uh, worst. Yes, yes, they are. Um, yeah, as a kid, I used to taunt uh, hills of fire ants um, with um, yeah. Anyway, I ended up by being covered in them, and they, they paid you back. Oh yeah, yeah. Efforts. I learned not to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's back in the day, you know, kind of a mischievous kid. Anyway. Um, Cool. So let's talk about, uh, you know, the title of today is preparing for a faster moving um, data industry. And uh, I think um, you have a lot of thoughts on this. Uh, we can kind of go through these. I think some of the things we wanted to cover was uh, um, kind of the commoditization of uh, cloud data warehouses, uh, data stack consolidation, um, focusing on ROI, um, self-serve, and then uh, automation, which I think is something you talked about today. So let's let's get into that. Um, I mean, and, and the cool thing is, let me let me um, just show these off real quick. Uh, is you got a series of posts actually under a hashtag, was it uh, data, data crystal ball week? Um, okay. So I'll uh, we'll just show these off real quick here. Um, yes, yeah, so you got uh, 
Yeah, number two right here, data stack consolidation, number one right here, cloud data warehouses market uh, commoditization. Um, so yeah, if anyone wants to uh, check these posts out, just check out this hashtag here or just go to his um, uh, profile and, and find the posts. Uh, LinkedIn search is absolutely horrendous. And so you may or may not actually find these posts if you go to his profile, but oh. it's what it is. So anyway, let's talk about point number one. Let's talk about uh, uh, data warehouse consolidation. What, what's your thoughts on that? Mm -hmm. uh, commoditization, actually. Oh, commoditization, I think, yeah, sorry. I think, I think it's a really, really interesting place to watch, right? And we've seen it uh, over last uh, year uh, that a um, uh, lot of people so, oh, Snowflake's doing really well. Uh, there, you know, might be a space for a bit more, and uh, you start having challenges popping up, right? And uh, challengers uh, popping up. And I think this it's going to be really interesting to see because, uh, you know, Snowflake is very busy building modes and expanding their reach. You know, Unistore, data sharing, all of that great stuff they're doing. You know, and don't they go wrong? Like, you know, hey, I think, you know. I'm a big fan, right? <laughs> uh, the, the reality being, though, that, uh, you know, if you focus on a very narrow area, uh, like what, uh, you know, let's say Firebolt is doing and saying, hey, you know, we'll be just really efficient and really fast over really large tables with a lot of, you know, the, with the event stuff, you can optimize on that use case and become significantly more efficient in it than a generic tool. So what's going to happen is that, uh, in my opinion, <laughs> the necessary, dis ball, so it's necessary, necessary, di necessary disclaimer. Uh, no, I think that Chris stole it last week, actually. I uh, uh, <laughs> couldn't find it this morning. Um, the, uh, what, what I expect is really going to happen that uh, and we are already seeing signs, right, because we are agnostic. We work with multiple data warehouses that really people are starting to look as a part of the FinOps approach to, okay, how much does this particular use case cost me, yeah. right? And what is the return on investment on that one? And is there a way of optimization? And with, uh, with sort of a generalization of a lot of tools and, uh, you know, tools that are abstracting the data warehouse from you in some way, I expect that there is going to be a lot of freedom on saying, you know, this particular use case, if I use a different um, uh, data warehouse or different database for it, even taking into consideration the trend for cost in both time and, and money is actually going to save me a significant amount of money with not as much increase in complexity. This is the biggest uh, biggest uh, uh, critique I get to this particular outlook, and that is that you know the complexity and going into multiple warehouses again is not going to be worth it. But you know the one thing that all these warehouses are doing is to making it really easy to administer them. So that is the that is they're working towards that already. Uh, you know, I believe that somebody um, I, I should have put it said, you know, Snowflake might feel expensive, but how about the total ownership cost? Because you know, you don't have to spend that much money and effort on managing and maintaining that. Well, that will be the case for everybody else who's doing in that market because so it, it will get much easier to. Maintain that. And again, you know, if somebody comes to your CFO and say, hey, this particular workload you have, we can save you 80% on that, uh, you know, they'll listen. Well, and I, I'm also convinced that part of the reason people think Snowflake is expensive is that it's OpEx and not CapEx. Because if you ever like signed a Teradata contract, like that's that's expensive. And often you look at these Snowflake bills and it's like, okay, that's, you know, a million dollars a year or whatever, but that's actually not if you've ever signed one of these heavy duty contracts, it's actually not that bad, especially given the reduced operational complexity, but it's a big mindset shift to get in the habit of like being able to pay those bills and realizing that it's worthwhile. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%, you know, and, and just saying OPEX, you know, and, and I know that I think on the Thursday note, we'll be talking about ROI and, you know, thinking about it. Um, but, you know, Chris and I had a, a conversation on this topic and really that, that, that they're probably, opportunity to create some bl blueprints and some um, uh, uh, best practices of how to account for this stuff and really understand those costs, right? Because, uh, yes, we're shifting to OPEX when it comes to technology. I think that we should also shift to CAPEX when it comes to labor expansion, because, you know, you are doing some of the work is actually 
building the asset is actually uh, building the environment building the infrastructure not actually providing any value at that moment so it should be capitalized you know when you think about it this way and uh, i think that it would help leaders to really understand what the cost structure is and they need to do that in order to be able to optimize the um, uh, the cost going forward so again interesting space to watch for sure yeah it's interesting commoditization is, is, is an interesting one too i, I think that um you know, like I look at what Databricks is doing, for example, right? And I look at what Snowflake is doing. And if I, if you kind of look at the trajectory of both companies, uh, I mean, they're basically on a collision course for, for parity. Um, uh-huh. And one's going to look exactly like the other at the, at the current rate they're going, which I think is, is fine. I mean, it, it's what the market needs. You want um, competition, absolutely. right? You don't you want, want to have a monopoly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and so, and it's well, funny because you see the uh, the cloud uh, vendors, you know, their, their versions of these... Um, you know, these data uh, platforms, as we'll call them, I mean, they're, they're good enough, right? And so it kind of reminds me of what happened with uh, Microsoft um, Office and Teams, right, where Teams is good enough. Um, and, you know, if it's a choice between do, uh, buying that or Slack, for example, um, if you're looking to cut costs, you're probably going to go with Teams. That's just how it is. Um, at the same time, I was, I was actually having lunch with some uh, software engineers the other day. And <laughs> I'm not even kidding when they said that, um, you know, half the engineering team said they were going to quit if they were forced to use Teams. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is a good story. Yeah, I thought it was yeah, pretty yeah. good. Like, well, at least you know where you stand on this topic. So, but, you know, it's a real thing. And, and but that's, that's also, I, I, I would see where the, the cloud um, vendors have the advantages. They can bundle a lot of, um, you know, extra yep. stuff. And especially if you're Microsoft, because you can bundle in your contracts. Like, well, you can use Synapse. And yeah, maybe it's not as feature rich as Snowflake, but we're going to also give you a huge discount on Office, you know, and, and that's where it, it gets very interesting for the commoditization thing. Because it's like now you're basically dealing with like just good enough. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you know, to, to uh, elaborate on the team example, I think there's actually a counter example to this, mm. right? Because it's the users who come to you and say, hey, we, we don't want this, right? Like this is this is not, not something. Um, and when we say users, we must have, we must stop thinking about us, right? The data geeks who understand the difference between what, what is the feature here and what is there, because the end users, ultimately, they don't give a aerial fornication on what is the database behind the scenes, right? It's literally like what they care about, do I get the report and how long does this thing spin? And then the other very important um, uh, user or beneficiary is worrying, how much does it cost for that uh, for that wheel to spin, right, uh, for a second or two? Those are the primary movers in the decisions going forward. And really, nobody cares what we think, right? We just need to deliver the business value, use whatever tools we deem necessary and needed, but with more and more scrutiny and supervision from does it make business sense? And that's what leads necessarily towards commoditization and squeezing margins and all of those good things, which, again, will be very interesting to watch how Snowflake is going to be reacted because I believe they will get squeezed a bit. Mm. You heard it here for crystal ball prediction. Yeah. Yeah, here it is. <laughs> Number one. Okay, let's go to <laughs> We're gonna turn uh, that into a short. We'll put it on YouTube. We'll put so short, everyone yeah. everyone knows. And we'll say that Milan uh, predicted this would happen. We'll set a time for it and then we'll come back and uh, and, prove me, and, and prove me wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Please do that. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about data stack consolidation real quick. That, that's another interesting one. Uh, uh, what's your thoughts on that? Oh uh, well, um, you know. Read a lot of recent stuff, you know, and the whole modern data stack is that, and you know, the conversation I had with uh, with Nick Heidecker uh, was a quite interesting one as well. Uh, the point is that in order to do anything in data today, the complexity is just enormous. It is to the point of ridiculousness, right? Like what you need to understand, what you what you need to do, and you know, being controversial a little bit. Um, uh, Rayman Analytics had article about I don't know four or five months ago. I noticed it, you know, describing how they use the technologies that they represent as a consulting company internally, and uh, you know they wrote a really beautiful article of how this you know only took a year of one person, which is actually the guy, right? So my question: What would this be? What would this cost the customer? 
You know, if they came to you and say, hey, use the same knowledge that you already have over all these technologies and build this together for us, right? And the answer was, ha-ha, trick question. No, honestly, right? The, the, the point is that in order to build something, and what they built is actually uh, almost laughably simple, right? In terms of what the use cases are being supported there, but the complexity that went into it and the knowledge, you know, to borrow Jamak's uh, term, uh, cognitive load, in order to make something relatively simple like this work, it's just absolutely out of bounds. And then not everybody can afford somebody like Right Analytics to come with all their knowledge and do it for them, right? So uh, what is this leading to? And again, the, you know, the data is there, right? You have Mozart data, River in next slide. These guys, Kebula, of course, um, to plug it in. Um, looking at this differently and saying, look, guys, you know, this really shouldn't be a project. It should be a product. Like in 80% of the cases, again, the end users don't care what is the technology behind that. What we care about is productivity. And... Uh, we get to productivity by removing the the um, human middleware. Again, that's borrowed from Lauren. Uh, you know, there, there is a lot of thinking on this happening. You know, this is, not, this is not just me. I think that we can definitely see the trend. And again, when you look at guys like uh, like uh, Mozart, you know, they're obviously their message is landing, right? They're, they're growing. We have data leaders today who come to you and say, hey, I've built data stack using, you know, Stage 5 trend, DBT, all of those things in the, in the past. Now I have a new job, a new company. I left all that behind. Let's not discuss what happened. But I would like to do something else this time, right? So we are seeing that tendency uh, of focus from the technology and just playing with new shiny toys to uh, actual what's going to deliver the most value for the organization. And a lot of it comes with consolidation, automation, simplifying, of the, you know, removing of the complexity uh, of tools rather than having to go into new research, new contract, new security audit every time you need to add a relatively straightforward feature. Or in a worst case scenario, which we see a lot of time, you have 12 categories of tools in, in modern data stack, right? And I submit that six of them are there only to deal with the problems that are caused by using the other six, right? Mm. Uh, that really you have you have relatively few things that are actually providing business value. Uh, give you an example. Let's say you say, okay, so now we have four different tools already in our data stack. So now for security purposes, we should probably implement user management of some kind, mm. right? So now you dedicate your data engineers or your architects or people to this particular activity. You're providing exactly zero economical value to the end users. You're only de-risking the fundamentally shitty architecture that you started with, right? You're, you're undoing that problem that, that you caused by building it. And, and that doesn't mean it's your fault, right? <laughs> because you might not have any other option at that point. But the fact is that all you're doing is now spending sometimes months of time not providing value to the business, not doing things like, you know, implementing new use cases because you are, uh, you, you know, rolling out duct tape to to pull things together somehow. That's really interesting. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry for I'm sorry for that outpour, but <laughs> <laughs> what's that? I'm sorry for that outpour. It seems like you guys are a little stunned with that. No, uh, no, no. I mean, it totally uh, resonates because I, I see this all the time where companies end up with a bunch of tools and then the integration costs go really, really sky high, right? Because you do, either you don't integrate and that creates all kinds of problems. Like now your users need to have accounts in four different systems. You need to manage all those accounts separately and you have separate admin teams or you go in and do the admin work. And it is, like you were saying, kind of like a uh, CapEx expense to invest in the future. And that yep. that never looks good, right? It's like, oh, they're not really getting anything done. What is this data team doing? <laughs> but it's sort of like the invisible <laughs> hand also has its place in, in the data stacks too. And, and so yeah, there'll it, be a company or some solution that'll come to fix that. I mean, as uh, Tab says here, um, uh, they, they fill gaps. I made a quip that it's called the uh, modern data gaps. Um, so, um, you know, but it's... It is interesting seeing the, the explosion of, I would say, also niche companies as well that come in and fix a lot of the issues, um, you know, that somehow pop up. It's, it's a game of whack-a-mole in a lot of ways, right? Um, uh, and, yeah, and, so... uh, and, that, and that's what happened, right? Like, uh, th there's the history of modern data stake that, uh, oh, here is, a, here is a thing that needs solving. 
right, for all those companies that go this far in their journey, because initially it was really easy, right? You get some ETL2 or ELT, right? Uh, dump it to Snowflake, you put Looker on it, you do all your modeling in LookML, like how hard can that be, right? And then you add DBT, then you add, okay, so what if I want to run some Python code on this? I don't have that, so okay, I'll do something else. Oh, crap, now I probably need to somehow uh, keep uh, an um, understanding of the lineage, so I might need something else for that. And before you know it, you have 7 to 12 different tools. And then uh, I'm going to break one of your rules, guys, because I, I've watched this uh, this. Uh, uh, talk uh, for a few weeks in a row uh, recently, and he usually start talking about data mesh in the last 10 minutes. Uh, so I'm going to drop that word now. <laughs> no, 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 you have to wait till the last 10 minutes, so we can't. Tradition. No, 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 no. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm non-conforming. You probably <laughs> guess that at this point. But uh, no, what I, what I want to mean is that what's interesting that you build this, and then you're saying, oh, you know, culturally you can do something like data mesh. You physically can't, because there is no way for an infrastructure that is put together this way to be shared, you know, to be used by other people, because then, you know, in every domain, you would have to have an expert on the whole stack with understanding of the interdependencies and, and all of those things, and it's just not feasible until you finish there. So, hence, you have several pressures in the market from the productivity point of view, from the complexity point of view, from, from this to consolidate and find, uh, you know, I, I predict you know, if you want one, yeah. uh, that, you know, we'll see more and more of those things, either through acquisitions, despite of the, you know, the discussions we had, we, we had with Eaton on the state of the market, which is not very MA friendly at the moment. But I do think that, that uh, companies that are currently niche will have to expand. So we'll probably see something happening there for sure. And we are seeing that, you know, ThoughtSpot uh, uh, buying a, uh, a reverse ETL company. You know, this, it's a little strange because ThoughtSpot is, is on the BI side of things, but it makes sense. It's a usage of data. Great, right? What uh, Snowflake is doing with Streamlit, you know, and, and the, what type of companies uh, Snowflake Ventures is investing in. It's all showing you this sort of consolidation direction. And then you have a new companies popping up that are providing to some degree data as a service or a consolidated stack as a product. Well, consolidate in current paradigms, right? But there's always something new coming down the pipe. And that's what's fascinating too. It just shows the evolution and the maturity of the industry, right? Where things mature, consolidate, but there's always something new. Like, you know, I'm excited to see what happens, frankly, because I, I think we're kind of, um, modern data stack basically brought what we've been doing for the last 30 years into the cloud. But I can't say that this is like the final plateau of where data is. I'd be very disappointed if it was. Well, no, right? I mean, the broader problem of modern data stack is not only did it bring all these things into the cloud, but it almost made them too easy, right? And I think that's the main source of this oh, big argument, oh, right? Okay. Too easy, so people without, you know, in some sense, any idiot can do it, and I don't mean to call I'll people add, I'll, add one, I'll add one word, and it is okay. appear, appear too easy, right? Yeah, that's, yes. Right, that's right. Because, in, because, yeah. The, because the first step is easy, right? And then, uh, uh, you know, but uh, you start peeling the onion, and the closer you're to core, the more you cry. Right. That's, you know, that is what is happening. Uh, that is what is happening there because, yeah, hey, all I need is Salesforce data here so I can put Looker on top of it. Easy. Modern data stack. Great. The problem is the exponential growth of complexity as you're adding more complex use cases over time. Yep. And then you will end up in a Hadoop-like situation where, oh, you know, this, you install Hadoop and everything is going to be great. Sounds easy. Three years later, a couple million dollars in, a we are still not getting the use cases that we were hoping for. Uh, the pattern repeats itself, I'm afraid. Well, and, and Joe was talking about this uh, before the show, just a bunch of tables. I mean, that's the pattern, unfortunately, we're seeing with the modern data stack, and it's not the fault of the tools, but we kind of need two evolutions. First of all, we need to you know, fix the training problem and say, hey, modern data stack still requires training and best practices. Uh -huh. And then second, to your point, you know, what comes next? Like, this is not really new. It's just somewhat better version of old well, I'll leave the industry right yeah. now if this is where yeah, we're yeah. at. I mean, <laughs> it's, just like the, just, it's pointless. It's like, okay, great. We're rehashing a lot of the same stuff we've been doing, again, for the past 30, 40 years. And it's like, uh, you know, next evolution to me is you know, streaming, integrating ML into you know, all workflows, integrating closer to software. Is, yeah, unstructured yeah, data is a really big one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, things that we're just you know barely glossing on right now. But you know, but the cool thing is in terms of practices and in terms of companies and consolidations, it's like there's so many niche uh, companies coming out. But I think you know today's niche is tomorrow's standard and um, tomorrow's mainstream. So that's kind of how that goes and it's always been the evolution of technology though right so yeah uh, you know this thing with streaming and unstructured data yes you know there, there are there are use cases where it absolutely is the 
key, right? And you can't you can't live without it. But we're talking about supporting businesses, right? There's always going to be an invoice and a line on the invoice yep. and a person doing something and a time ticket and those things. The business world is fundamentally relational, right? Uh, so uh, and and batch, you know. <laughs> so uh, I'm not saying that those things are irrelevant. They absolutely aren't. They have their own use cases. You know, working with a company that does video streaming. So obviously there is so much, you know, streaming data going on, and no pun intended in that particular case. But uh, the, uh, the the fact is that the batch and uh, relational processing of data is not going away, uh, right? It's just going to be augmented with the rest. And, you know, generally, even if you're working with stream or unstructured data, at the end of the day, there is something generating a SQL query that is actually answering your business question. So, uh, you know, those things are very, very tightly interconnected. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like Bill Inman's spending all of his time right now on unstructured text. That's his, that's his focus. And, like, he practically invented a lot of this industry, too. But it's just because, he's, you know, he realized, like, a lot of the data out there is it's unstructured text and you know so taking advantage of that and bring it back into a data warehouse i think that that's it's pretty fascinating and it's just you know stuff like that yeah definitely we live in a batch oriented world right now um until everything is you know on the blockchain and I'm joking. um <laughs> so uh, you know then we live in the metaverse and all finally stuff, finally yeah finally there's a use case for this stuff i mean has the blockchain paused now that all the tech bros are burning man this week it's probably not running right now mm. I'll have to go uh, check praying for exits and see what, <laughs> yeah, what's going on there. Um, yeah, but, but it, it's, it's interesting. I think consolidation, you know, it, it's, I mean, it's already happening and it'll start happening more. I think uh, Ethan Aaron, he used to work in M&A actually, and he said there's probably, you know, next 18 months, you're going to see a lot of uh, activity going on. Just that's how it oh, is. He, but, no, he actually said you won't. Uh, because uh, you know, go back to that. Go back to that call. I was I was referring that earlier because he he's saying you know that because of the overcapitalization of the companies, yeah. they're basically very unsellable at the moment. Uh, I agree and disagree with him on that one because I think that the the pressures of market of doing it, and a lot of those companies that are overcapitalized will burn through that cash, and obviously they're trying not to do that now. So there will be some fire sales. There will be some consolidations. Oh, yeah. uh, it will be again interesting space to watch. Yeah, for sure. We'll set up a GoFundMe and buy a few companies, and it'll be, it'll be yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds so, great. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. We'll get you on the, the ground floor of this great deal. Um, so, you just awesome. have to keep hanging out and watching our chats and suffering through those. Um, so, uh, number three, uh, Wednesday, focus on ROI. This is the other crystal ball. What, what's up with that? Uh, what I've seen on, in a lot of companies or what we've seen in a lot of companies is, you know, hey, here is a data team, here is a CIO, here is your budget, you know, and do things. Um, uh, that is uh, stupid uh, in long term. Like it's, you know, you know the, nobody understands what's happening there. What's, what, the, what is the budget being spent on? Uh, so we are starting to see, and again, you know, we're talking about shops, right? The, the term that is, that is popping up. Uh, it's really like, what is it that is happening here? Like, this query in Snowflake that costs, I'll exaggerate, two credits, even though I can probably write one that will do that, uh, is um, what is it bringing? What is the value on, of that one, right? Because today a business comes to you and say, hey, this report is awesome. Can we have it updated every 15 minutes? Well, there is a cost attached to that, right? And the ability to understand the cost and be able to tell this business owner and say, all right, extra hundred dollars a day it's from your budget buddy right you know you need to you need to justify that you need to justify that and in order to do this well you need to do the second step which is really understanding of what the data team what the core data team is spending their money on their time on if they're building a use case for somebody okay that's an opex that's great right they're supporting somebody but if they're integrating user management sorry guys that's a capex thing you know that goes into the that goes in, into the thing should be uh, and should be then added to uh, the ongoing cost and really uh, understanding this, um, especially in a situation that we are now. You know the budgets are getting squeezed, the financing is not that easy to get, uh, the the pressure on and the, you know the the CFOs um, level of granularity they will want to understand where this cost is coming from is going to definitely increase and uh i think it's a health thing it needs to happen you know i think it's 
kind of ridiculous to be doing data just because your competition is doing it without really understanding what will be the, the value it's going to bring it to you. Um, uh, so I foresee uh, that this this uh, this is going to continue and, uh, and people will start paying much, much more attention to it. And which goes to our conversation, uh, uh, Joe, we had a few weeks ago on the really understanding the total cost of ownership, which includes opportunity cost. Yep. Right? The hidden costs are something that is so overlooked because nobody really wants to talk about it. <laughs> right? It's like... Uh, uh, you know, a board data engineer that doesn't have anything good to do at the moment is opportunity cost. That is, uh, that is, uh, or or who just is spending his one day a week playing with a new shiny technology that he might want to, to use one day. It's an opportunity cost, and uh, um, it's it's uh, overlooked and sometimes intentionally hidden from the business leadership. And there's a certain Silicon Valley attitude that just kind of says, oh, you know, hire a bunch of people and then throw them out, whatever. And I, I don't think well-run Silicon Valley companies operate that way. It's sort of a dark pattern in Silicon Valley you see sometimes. And I think this burned a lot of companies in the Hadoop era because it was like, oh, Hadoop is cheap, right? It's free. And then mm -hmm. they would end up spending a million dollars a year on salaries, just sometimes just managing the cluster without even really getting much done. Like, it, yeah. Yeah. No, it's exactly. <laughs> right, right. You worship at the altar of big data, as yeah. you've said. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like Hadoop was free, Cloudera was not. <laughs> right. Yes, yes. Throw that in too. Yep. I mean, it, it's weird about ROI because it, it, it's such a uh, obvious thing. It, it's weird that we have to talk about it, but we always talk about getting value exactly. from data. But I'm like, why? Why are you? Why are we talking? It, it should be the most obvious thing that should be like just done and not really talked about. It, like, I don't know. Like we run a business, we have to run a profitable business. And I'm kind of like, if you ain't making money, ain't making a profit, then like, you know, figure out, you know, why you're not. Yeah. Uh, right. It's just, yeah. It's one-on-one. Uh, no, I absolutely under, uh, I absolutely agree. And this is bizarre to some degree that, you know, that, that the ways can be operating this way and say, you know, how do you set up your data team budget? And, you know, how do you define like, you know, what do you need those, you know, five analytical engineers for, you know, and uh, what is it, what, uh, what is the value that is actually, actually done? So, um, yeah, it, it needs to be paid more attention to, and uh, as I'm saying, you know, the data leaders need to brush up on their accounting a little bit to uh, be able to have sure. a conversation with the CFO, right? Exactly. Number four, self-serve. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, um, uh, you know, 2019, <laughs> right? Uh, Jamak and her uh, uh, data mesh uh, founding it's article. Not, and it's not the uh, ten minutes to the top of the hour. Sorry, we can't talk about that. I know. Sorry. 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 <laughs> no, but uh, but I think that, that what is what is really important is that uh, with the uh, and you know all those things are connected with each other, right? So we're looking at productivity. We're looking at consolidation of the data stack, which makes it easier to give people access to tools. Um, and, and you know, it started in the BI world, with obviously uh, you know sometimes a little too fast, uh, and it's happening here as well because you know it's significantly easier to take a data savvy marketing person who understands marketing and what is happening and what the organization needs business-wise and teach them SQL and a couple of tools they could use in order to self-serve uh, and as long as you put them in well-governed environment when they really can just you know go and, and start doing crazy stuff and data mesh is providing some guide rails of how that should actually work or how it could work um, so i do see that uh, and we see it with our customers. Uh, you know, we see it in companies who build data mesh before it was defined uh, because they were thinking about it this way and they effectively have a product, they, they effectively have um, uh, domain owners. And it's just what, what happened there that, you know, data mesh gave terminology to that. Uh, but a lot of those principles, you know, thinking of data as a product, you know, data contracts, you know, how that's going to look like, how this is going to define what you can rely on when you're using that particular data product. And then the federated governance, which is a very interesting term, uh, of you know making sure that uh, you are staying within some kind of guidelines uh, doing this. That is, all of these things will become significantly easier to overcome, and you'll start getting the benefits of the self-serve and the distributed data team effectively when you can attach. Uh, you know, I called it a data democracy, right? When when really the uh, uh, the business teams 
are not only enabled, but also uh, encouraged to bring in their own data people that can work with the environment of the company within the context of what that team actually needs and provide better data products for the rest of the company, um, it's definitely moving in that direction. And I think we're going to see more of that. Um, tying it back to before, it's not going to work very well in a fragmented data stack. So the consolidation is absolutely necessary in order to for this to, to promote. But I, I do believe that those things will go hand, hand in hand. It's funny because I, I think there's this notion of data democracy, and I'm going to use the term data democracy for decentralization where you have strong leadership. But let's come up with it. Let, let's also talk about data populism. And maybe data populism is where it's just like grossly mismanaged and you've got data scattered all over the place and not managed. <laughs> data, data liberta, liberta. I guess what I mean is you, you see this go wrong, right? I mean, data oh, yeah, democracy, absolutely. the ideal world, you have, you know, decentralization, but really good management, but we've all seen it go wrong too. And so it seems like we need a term for that. Oh yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely, you're absolutely correct. It can, you know, it can be a runaway train. Uh, and what is, what is important is going back to understanding the cost, right? Like what is it, what this person is doing? What is it costing the organization? Uh, you know, what are the guidelines around what they can have access and they don't, and how are they enforced, and, uh, you know, all sorts of things. Um, and, you know, semantic, uh, I don't like the semantic layer point, but the semantics of what it means, what is the definition of this particular metric or this particular column or this particular table uh, needs to be understand, understood the same way across the organization. Like, I think my... My uh, personal record is seven definitions of the word customer within one organization, right? So uh, that is super important to provide the foundation for everybody to uh, work from. And then the risk of the populism, uh, you know, is, uh, is um, uh, reduced enough that you are not afraid to abandon the dictatorship extreme on the other side. <laughs> Interesting. Make data sex great again. Um, <laughs> Sorry, what did you I say? Make data sex great again. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's upon an authority. Um, Joe, Joe's trying to generate controversy here, drum up more views or something. <laughs> okay. More, more. Uh, number five, automation. Um, in a conversation that I had with uh, Veronica. Uh, about a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, we were talking about this, and uh, um, what came out of it as a quote is that, you know, as a data engineer, every time you uh, uh, write a Python script to move a CSV file from one place to the other, you know, a little piece of you dies. Um, it, you know, it comes down to the opportunity cost. Like, you know, you know, these are really, really smart people. We have incredible pressure on the talent pool. And, uh, you know, people think we don't have enough data experts. Well, I actually think it's not a shortage of talent, so to speak. It's a surplus of stupid work, right? Like a stuff yeah. that they really shouldn't be doing uh, or their, their talents are absolutely, absolutely wasted on, right? Um, and a lot of it comes to automation. Like, you know, how many, uh, you know, I have this... Um, uh, beef, <laughs> you know, with some of the orchestration tools that require coding. Like, if I ask my data engineer to code something, I will want them to code something that is creating business value, yeah, meaning the code that is actually enriching the data and doing something. I don't want them to code something that's going to stand up the right size of data warehouse or that's going to make sure that the data move to a particular place. Those all are predictable and solved for problems that they really, really shouldn't be doing, right? Uh, people are talking a lot about the, about the vendor login, but how, lock -in, but how about a employee login, right? Especially in, in the current, current labor market. Like what, what, is the, uh, um, what is the higher risk here? So I think that automation is going to be a key because a lot of things just can be done without <laughs> necessarily a person's automation. Like, you know, I don't need to understand, and I don't, I'll say it, you know, all the nitty gritties of how to manage a Snowflake uh, instance or, you know, Snowflake account, because 
I have a platform that does it for me, and all I have to do is to write the SQL, and it tell me how much it costs, so I know whether I did it right or not, and whether it makes sense for ROI. And I really don't care about everything else because my job is to deliver the business value. So whatever can help me, that's where automation comes in on the repetitive, boring tasks that people, you know, they might get kick off of solving it again, but again, there is no ROI on that effort because it could have been just as well done by, uh, you know, something that it's there and it's uh, uh, it could be done automatically. I feel like data jobs, there's kind of a spectrum all the way from like white collar to blue collar. And the blue collar side of things is that in practice, we're doing a lot of, well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And it, but in practice, we're doing a lot of very manual work. And I, I don't mean, you know, blue collar as in like working at a very efficient factory. I mean, sometimes it feels like we're just digging trenches with a shovel when or we could be using a trencher. Dig this hole, you'll fill it back in again. Do that about 10 times. Uh, yeah, I see. I see. That's like a lot of data yeah, I see Veronica commenting then. So yep. Matt, don't start us on shovels. That was the other conversation earlier. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you catch, capture that. But yeah, uh, uh, shovels are important. Having the right one. Yeah. Or, or a trencher, right? Sometimes the trencher is the right tool, but like something efficient or something that's automated, if it could be automated, rather than like just repeating. There, there's this like Sisyphean aspect of data where you just keep doing the same stuff over and over again, which is part of what you're alluding to. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And look, automation of processes is creating, is de-risking the business, yep. right? Because the more human middleware you have, the more, uh, what's the word, susceptible or the more sensitive you are to changes in the, you know, in the labor force. Like people are leaving, right? And, you know, if you are a pizza shop or pizza chain, you know, it's really hard, <laughs> you know, to retain and, and maintain a good data architect to do that. And you don't really need one because frankly, you don't need that much else than your competition who's a sandwich shop, right? The, your competitive advantage is not how brilliantly your data stack is set up. Your competitive advantage is how effectively you're using the data to make better business decisions. Uh, and again, for absolute majority of businesses, these are predictable patterns that, you know, is, is the second part of the of the post, which was, you know, we'll probably see more templatization. We'll see uh, re-emerge of sort of out-of-the-box solution for particular use cases. Uh, we are actually already seeing it, you know, Come to Big Data London if you want to see some more, uh, and you know we'll we can take it from there. Now there's there'll be a couple of couple of interesting things coming there, but you know we're we're seeing it everywhere, right? Everybody's coming with predefined models and predefined flows and things like that, and it's more or less you know well implemented. But again, you know there are only so many ways how you can structure a data about invoices in your data warehouse, right? So why even going through the modeling exercise, with the exception of checking that you don't you don't have any specific requirements that would require this extra column or this extra type of relationship between entities, um, and you know it's expanding to more and more. Like you know you can look at a whole e-commerce, and I can give you a data model that's going to apply 90% of the cases. Right? Interesting. What's next? What are some other uh, predictions you have? Well, I was hoping that people will will drop in some. Well, you know, I, <laughs> I, I send a link out to uh, you know, some some peeps, so they they show up great. Um, uh, specifically, uh, Chris and Veronica, you should yeah, you guys should join real quick. Um, <laughs> no no pressure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So, Crystal Ball, I mean, so what what's the uh, inspiration for this? Like, what's your process for for thinking about um, the future of uh, the data industry? Well, it's all Eaton's, uh, Eaton's fault, right? Because he dropped me into that category, so I had to come up with something. But uh, the uh, uh, I think it's just um, what I hope, you know, and I hope it's not too uh, uh, self-centered. Is that all I am doing is looking around and applying common sense, right? It's because ultimately it's a business, you know. And what Matt, what you said before is that it's sort of ridiculous that we are thinking about data differently that uh, we would in any other business setting um, because it's a function of business. That's why we're doing it, right? And it um, uh, lifted sort of this mystery cocoon because nobody really understands what's there, but they just know that they need to do something because that's what the market is doing. Uh, but I think that the 
again, the onions getting peeled and we are understanding more and more of what's happening there and the business will understand more. Um, and when you really look at it from that perspective, everything else that I'm talking about just rolls from there. Right, because people will see the business opportunities. So, hi guys. <laughs> um, the usual uh, Chris, yeah, exactly. So, Chris, uh, please disagree with something for once. Well, yeah, I've got it. I've got it. Okay, so basically, I've decided that short hair's cool, long hair's not. So, I'm gonna disagree with that because, um, yeah, I can't grow long hair now. So, I'm gonna no, have to. Uh, hey, 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 Chris. <laughs> Hey, Chris, really no, it's, a, it's a wrong way. It's a wrong way to look at it, right? I am collaborating with you on maintaining average. Right? So, so, this, this is the problem. Is that hard to find something to actually disagree? And actually, for once, I've been making notes as I go through um, rather than putting it because I don't type that fast. And if I do, it gets spelling mistakes. So I thought I'd read them out instead. But I didn't know we'd have superstar Veronica joining us as well. So I may have yeah, to like um, I'm just here but, to talk about shovels. I, <laughs> I'm just I said, well, I've, I've got some actually proper stuff to talk about for a change. And, and this is like, that was just the start of the joking thing. I mean, the OPEX CAPEX thing, I think, you know, there's definitely a, a mindset change that's needed there. Like we need to create something that you can provide that can evidence the accountants that you're doing something that is an asset that's going to be uh, used over many years and can be depreciated so it's not seen as 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 a um you know an operational expense um i think the the other thing you talked about was buying the technology i've just called it the chicken and egg situation is so what we're going to do is now we're going to go to the board to say you know you need to take this new approach again because you know what they've heard it before but we're going to call it something even cooler this time and if you buy this technology it'll enable you to put in a process in place that will allow you to do the project you that you do in the future but that you would have actually needed to do this assessment to do this project to put this tool in place, which is a new it's a new cell. It might be possible, but I think it, it's quite hard to 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 do to do that. The that's why, talk about yeah yeah that's why that's why where you see it when people change jobs, right? Because it's very hard for them to say you know I've been wrong for three years, yes, uh, and you know and we should do it differently. I now see the light. So it's much better to, uh, you know, to monetize their past mistake uh, learnings uh, elsewhere. You know, uh, you know, it's that is what happens, right? And then the the old company gets stuck with the technical debt, and then somebody else comes and says, "Yeah, that, that guy was doing it wrong." That's the first rule of power shift: is to blame your predecessor, right? It's that emotional attachment to, uh, attachment to decisions and. You know, um, reviewing historical decisions and saying, yeah, I was wrong, but uh, let's do this this time. But the problem is they, they've given data or information which they've been tarnished. You'll, you'll have people that have bigger voices there. So that links having a community. That community, you can find out who, who, who's going to actually support you do this and what is the right thing that goes back to that business value. Um, I'm also, I, I put some notes about here about leveling up your capabilities. And I think it, someone put a comment the other day about one of my members saying I've leveled up to another level or something. And I think it, it's quite it's quite a good analogy of, you know, when, when you're playing these computer games or whatever, and you've got different capabilities you need for your governance or your ingest or your, your data capabilities, it's what you need at that point of time. But what's linked to that is what shape team you need to support that at that point in time. And you know, every company, all they want to do is be better than their competitor or create some USP or something that makes them different in the world. And as long as they're ahead of the curve, they'll survive. If they're not, they're below. So they should be tracking that. And I think this, you know, the data engineer dream that we sold everyone, and I hope your book's helping with that, you know, like saying what it really is of being a data engineer, and I'm pretty sure it is, it's everywhere, is, you know, this is reality of what we're doing. We're doing this for an end customer. We're doing this to make money that pays the bonus. We're not doing this for you to, like, learn some new coding framework. But then you need to give them something that, that gives them that outlet to do that. Otherwise, they will go. Or you need a different shaped team. So... Yeah, it's a challenge, but yeah, I, I think talking about it on these shows is, is good. And uh, um, yeah, I, I'm still trying to find something. You, I always seem to uh, be very aligned with your views. Uh, I think our drunken conversations in many Vegas trips may have uh, may have infused our ideas together. So um, it's been <laughs> just very good. Um, but yeah. yeah, great great conversation. I've been very very um, 
yeah, for once I was actually sitting here listening, apart from two phone calls and uh, interrupted. But right, Veronica, I've hogged it. How are you doing? I know. I don't know what to disagree with you on. I'm like trying, like, l let's start, you know, if I conversation. You're right, though. Like, but theoretically, everything, all of that sounds great. But as, as you know, somebody at a company, how do I solve all of that? Oh, he's drinking. Look at you. Well, it's um, 9 p.m. here. It's 9 p.m. And it's actually my first one. I've actually come in paying attention and sober for a change. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, it happens sometimes. Happens sometimes. Well, it's Friday. It's crazy. Congrats. I was FOMO again. I'm like, forgot to grab a beer. It's early for you guys. When, when we start doing these it's shows, UK never time. never early. It's, well, you know, five o'clock somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So maybe a Sunday afternoon drinking, drinking one in like would be, would be a good one. We could all be in the same sort of like mode at the same time rather than all being in Vegas at the same time. Well, we'll be in London at the same time in a few we weeks. Will. Please, please yeah. don't. I'm having such a FOMO. I did not get the memo that all the cool people were going to London. Yeah. Well, Joe, you going? And Matt, you going? No, no planning to. It's a big time. trip. I've got to be in yeah, Australia yeah. the next week. So. I'm, I'm, he I'm hearing some noise, background noise. So is that, yeah, you're, you're working on it or something? Uh, you're going to bring my book um, with you. It was saving no, the post. I, I, have to, I, have to be, I have to speak in Australia um, that week, so I'm, I'm not going to be able to make it. Oh, so. Okay. Oh, excuse well, me. He yeah. just dropped it casually. He'll be <laughs> yeah, in sorry. even Can't cooler place. Big Data <laughs> Australia is better than Big Data London. No, we're very yeah. good connecting flights um, to Australia because, well, we found it first of all, didn't we? So, um, yeah, we know exactly oh. where it is from London. We can go straight there. Yeah, I'll take a ship there. It's fine. Don't worry no, about it. It takes a long time. So, yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Um, yeah, wait. So, I guess, is it a bad thing that everyone agrees with each other? Uh, no, I think the thing is you've got some like-minded people here. I think what we're looking for is that anyone out there, if you're disagreeing what we're saying and you think there's reasons why you shouldn't do it, there's that, let's challenge it because getting that getting that sort of um, voice out there saying this is the way of doing it, like the reason why we're all talking it, there, there's no financial benefit from us all coming up here and saying this. Well, actually, maybe for you a little bit. Um, well, maybe, well, no, there's not. We're talking about doing the right thing for your company at the right time. And, you know, and that is the reason we're here, because there is some stuff that we've been here for a while. We've seen what can be done. And I think what made me much more passionate and more active was, you know, the bashing of the modern data stack. And I was thinking, look, you guys are saying that this modern data stack, the problem is we've solved those problems before. You just missed them. And I think that gaps, you know, the, the thing of the, the, the gaps being created and gaps, gaps have been good. All right. And, and every stage has been good. And I think there's a massive opportunity for us to learn by each era. So, and there's an opportunity for us all to be active that, that can span each of these eras that can, that, and what you're doing with your education stuff, Joe, will, I'm sure will, will allow that. But, you know, having, having it of like, we've done this before, let's mold these things together. The gaps you've, those gaps you've seen before, um, this is how you solve them. And also it keeps the vendors on their toes as well, because, you know, we, we've had this, you know, Oracle, Microsoft, uh, SAP world before, which controlled the whole market. It was simple then. It was one venue. Does, actually, but... yeah. Second, sorry? I said it still kind of does for the most well, part. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, if you think of how many of those vendors are actually part of a, a modern data stack, you can actually choose a modern data stack that doesn't touch any of those old players from the old world. So you yeah. know well, except for ERP systems. That's um, true. Yeah, that's, that's, that's that's our, many yeah. source systems are still very yeah. much. Yeah. 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 But yeah, so but the modern ERP stack, I'm, I, I, that's going to yeah. be a lot harder to pull off. So, but, yeah, but I, I just see your point, though. Yeah. Yeah. And and then we had this and this democratization thing that we talked about as well. And I, I think I put a post. I call it the autonomy wars. You know, and that goes back to maturity. Mm. When it's the right time to give that autonomy to someone to do something, and when it doesn't. But the problem is no one ever does those those checkpoints. They buy it sort of way. Okay, let's go and check. How are you doing, man? Oh, we got to this. What's your data volume? It's this now. What's the size of your company? It's this now. What's your retention of your of your clients or your or your staff at the moment? It's, right, okay, right at the moment, <clears throat> you probably need to level up. <laughs> Here you go. This yeah. is where you level up on these different bits. And maybe this technology helps with that leveling up, or maybe it doesn't, or maybe this will be the right time for that technology to level up. And having some sort of way of saying, 
am I doing good in the in the industry? Am I ahead of the game? I'm having a benchmark for it, that. It's it's difficult. We invest a lot of money into te technologies, especially older technologies, and it's very difficult for companies to justify moving off of those technologies. Mm. It's a 100%. lot cheaper and faster to keep, you know, scotch taping them, super gluing them. At some point, it's all gonna collapse. You, but you, you're right. Yes. But, but hopefully, but, but yeah. hopefully, you will have moved to another job by that point. Right. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's un unfortunately that's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Can I can I just jump? Of course, please. It's your show. Backwards, no, I'm, I'm backwards, backwards in backwards in time. But uh, no, once you showed up, Chris, not my show. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, uh, you know, go, going going backwards is the decisions being made, right? Which are super short-sighted. Which is, I need to solve the problem of today, not thinking about what does it mean for the next in the maturity of the company. And that's not saying that, you know, you should start with a, you know, enterprise-grade solution from the beginning, but because you can't afford it, you know, as a startup or two-people team, you're not going to do, you know, all of, all of those things. But you must not fall for the false impression that this is going to be easy and incremental because it's incremental until the point when it crashes burning down and then you're starting again right yeah so i think that's really it's important not easy. it's never been easy uh, but um yeah. it is possible but yeah um yeah totally aligned. Yeah. I, I think the idea is to keep it modular right like focus yeah. things keep it modular with the with the kind of idea that oh you can easily just take this whole thing out and put something else in don't go fully into something, but also get 50 million things that do a little tiny bit. Or, or take a look at how does this thing look at a company that is three years ahead of you, five years ahead of you. Oh, right? we've, been do, that, we've been doing that in the past, right? Like we had to predict the next three, five years. And the thing is, it's like, did you know that I, I know you have your crystal ball, but like, did you know five years ago that today, <laughs> there you go. Today will be today. I didn't. I, I could have never like it's difficult it's a difficult problem i'm I hoping five years from now will too. be a lot different I, yeah i am talking about something a little bit else actually veronica and the, the thing is that the whatever it is you're gonna do somebody has done it already right it's like you know uh, unless you are one of the two companies that are really pushing things forward you know being spacex everything else you know, and every, so absolute majority, our customers are just repeating other others people or following other people's path, very often not knowing uh, what that path is, right? The, the thing is that good experience comes from good judgment and good judgment comes from bad experience. So we are, you know, putting this in, in place and you're looking at saying, all right, I would like to talk to my peer, somebody who's those three years ahead, Right, that went through the same journey. I want to talk to them about the decisions they made then and when. And yes, some of the things, some of those things will have a limited relevancy because the market changed and the technology changed to some degree. But it's actually not changing that quickly. You know, you still have people running on a Microsoft SQL 2007 version uh, uh, today, right? Um, Margaret, there is no Microsoft SQL 2007. Just. <laughs> <laughs> Be well, careful there. There was five and eight. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> there, was beta. there was a beta version. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Milan, then the question is how? How do we find those people that are big data London? You pop oh, down to booth. <sighs> We've got a booth there and we're rub it in, it. rub it in. I I am yeah, one minute we won't be able to do it in, but we can have a lot more time there. I hear there's actually a, a show in the data mesh theater. So I think data mesh may be talked about on a panel that we're doing over there. Um, yeah, which have some usual usual suspects. Unfortunately, Joe, you, you couldn't make it uh, on this occasion. I know, let's not go back to the, the details. Lauren, I, I don't think she can make it at the moment. I'm not sure where she is at the moment. I haven't seen her on LinkedIn today. Um, and um, yeah, so, and then after that, there may be another after party for some special special guests at a location close by. Like Bono or somebody? like. No, there may be there may be a townhouse located in the vicinity that someone may have access to that is uh, has a very nice. Life. That's oh, your house, I think. I wish. I wish. <laughs> nice. I, I spot in my own home in East London when I'm here. So sweet. Cool. We're coming up on time. We've got a, a jet. Actually, Matt, I have to get to a meeting. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, everybody. Um, 
And it's been very, very constructive today, I have very to say. Yeah, so th thanks for being very Thank spontaneous, you. Veronica. And just yeah, and, and good to meet you, Milan, in, in person. Almost. Well, you'll have a chance in London in a few weeks. No, just kidding. I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Where are you based, Veronica? One of these days. Boston. In Massachusetts and Boston. Okay. Uh, I am I am due in Boston in the next couple of months anyway, so um, maybe we can if we can coordinate. So are we. So let's, let's all time. let's all meet up there. So yeah, yeah, do that. Yeah, well, let's coordinate yeah, that. Let's do that. Oh, good. Awesome, cool. Right. So um, there might be a Monday morning data chat. I think depending on Matt and I feel on Memorial or Labor Day. Sorry, it, it may. I think what may happen is that we'll record something and actually edit it this time, so it may end up getting released on Tuesday. So nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. it's hard Bye -bye. to say. Um, take the day off. Take the day and the off. following. Yeah. Uh, the following we got can't uh, get too hard, and also I can't make it anyway because yeah, well, that's, that's, work that's why we're doing it. It's so not a bank holiday. <laughs> uh, um, so I have both America and UK over that time, which is no way of doing anything. So yeah, so you. Take Take the day off and like you deserve it, guys. Yeah, bank holiday. Um, yeah, and then we got uh, Ken Graziano's on the uh, show uh, the, the next Monday morning data check. We got Kent. He's going to be on, so that's going to be very cool. He's cool. a he's a Jedi master, so very wise. He's like the Yoda yeah. of data. And Yoda, he sure. on the hair, but he's more of a long hair person. And speaking of Yodas, uh, Bill Inman's going to be speaking at the Utah Data Engineering Meetup oh. um, on September nineteenth. I believe so anyway if you're around it's gonna be virtual he's gonna be talking about uh, he actually just released a new book uh text analytics uh, simplified and so it's worth checking out I think it goes into um what he's doing with text analysis and what's super cool is I mean Bill's still thinking about this kind of stuff uh, you know the you know he's you know, he could be doing other stuff and he's just uh continues to push the industry forward so it's really awesome to see so anyway um thanks everybody thanks to the audience have a great weekend thanks Milan Veronica Chris uh, Matt, thank me. you as well. So, <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, John. no worries. Anytime, to be here. Anytime. Okay. Thank you guys. Right. Thank, thank you guys. See you everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.